Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Adventure has changed the lives of so many people. But the story we're going to hear today is one that connected with me as a parent, as well as somebody who has found that nature has been one of the best prescriptions when I deal with anxiety. Today, we have Jack Greenwood and his mom, Ali Blofeld, on the podcast talking about how impactful bikepacking can be. Hi, Jack and Ali. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks. Thanks for inviting us, Richard. Hi, yeah. Nice to see you. Uh, Jack, we're talking to you while you're doing an epic bike packing trip across the Andes. Um, but I want to go back a little bit earlier when you were planning a big bike trip and you invited your mom. And so what was the trip you were planning and then inviting your mom? As a parent, it seems like the most incredible gift a child could give um, to be included on such an epic uh, adventure. But but tell me about that. Bike packing has been something I got interested in in recent years. Um, it comes from a desire to try and do travel a bit slower and go to places without flying, basically. And for that particular trip, my friends had uh, organised to stay in Portugal on the coast. Um, I'm from I'm from England, um, so I wondered if it would be possible in my summer holidays, being a teacher, I have a, a few more weeks in the summer holidays, to see if I could cycle all the way to Portugal in time to meet them there. So it's kind of worked out that it would take about four weeks. Um, and the idea was to cycle with friends part of the way, um, but generally get there in time for sort of mid-August um, to enjoy some time with friends by the sea in Portugal and see if that could be done purely with pedal power rather than rather than flying there. Um, yeah, that was my that was the trip I organised. And then you invited your mum on the trip. That's uh, uh, incredible. Uh, but how did that get to that point of your Going to Portugal with friends, cycling. What made that step happen? Uh, we have a very close relationship. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's definitely a lot of fun to be had in traveling solo. But if you can share it with somebody, it can be an even more amazing thing. I guess it does sound quite unusual to do it with your mum. <laughs> but um, to me, it's not that unusual because of, the, because of how we get on and because it would just be adventuring with someone who you're really close to. So that was kind of the way that I thought about it. I also had quite a strong belief that there is quite a healing power to doing that sort of traveling and she was in quite a difficult place at that time um so i thought just going you know i had experienced some bike travel before across scotland and wales and england and i just really felt that it kind of unlocked something in you when you when you travel in that way and um the clincher for the bit which my mum was going to come along for was the fact that france is entirely flat um at least that's what i told her to convince her but uh, it's not actually that far from the truth. I mean, if you plot uh, a route from the north coast of France all the way to the Spanish border and you stick to the to the west of France, you really don't come across many hills. And I mean, even compared to England, which can be, although it doesn't have huge mountains or anything, it is incredibly up and downy. France is just flat as a pancake. So I thought there's not too much that can go wrong with this, uh, with this route. And uh, I think she'll be fine to do it. So Ali... You're sitting there and all of a sudden you get an invite from your son to go on a bike tour. Had had you done bike touring before? Was this something that was in your, your comfort zone, just riding for, you know, every day for a while? Well, I kind of, I cycled as a child 
and um, and cycled here and there as a family. But in 2014, I was taking a school trip to Tanzania, and I wanted to fundraise. So I I set a, a with a group of friends. We did a um, 85 miles in a day, Reading to Bath, and that was a real achievement. And I thought, oh. I really like this. I could I could keep going. And it wasn't fast. It wasn't like cycling. It was cycling along the canal and going along, you know, beautiful places and just pedaling at, you know, 10 miles an hour. I felt that I could just keep going and I could keep going. And that and then then I got interested in it then. Um, and I did some other rides. Um, and once Jack said, Jack went to university in London and we lived in Somerset. And one time he said to me, I want to cycle back to university. Do you want to come? So I said, okay. So we cycled back to London um, over the weekend and I decided that I quite liked riding um, long distances. And so, yeah, when he asked me if I wanted to cycle to France and he said it was flat, I didn't quite believe him, but it was. I mean, it really was pretty flat and um, it wasn't really difficult. We just pedaled and we pedaled all day long and we stopped when we wanted to and we rested when we wanted to and we kept going and it was it was stunning. I I trusted him basically. I trusted in his judgment, and he was right. It was it was a fantastically uh, manageable challenge, but it was also healing. Listening to this and you know seeing Jack smile as you're telling the story, it's obviously you have a really strong relationship. And I think there's a lot of parents who, when their kids are young, they dream that they can still go and do trips like this when with their children when they age. Do you think there's something you did as a parent that that created this relationship, this ability to go and, you know, go cycling across France? Uh, that's pretty incredible to be able to do those types of adventures with, you know, with your adult child. Um, I do have a very close relationship with both of my children. I have a daughter who's 27, Jack's 29, um, and we do do a lot of challenges together. We've we've done all kinds of things about. Um, uh, 2019, Jack said, did I want to walk Hadrian's Wall with him, which is uh, a 90 mile walk um, across the top of England. Um, we did west to east coast and um, that was a fantastic thing to do with him as well. Um, some of the reasons um, he wanted me to do these things were, there was to do with my mental health, which was pretty poor at the time. And uh, he was looking for ways to support me and help me and break through from where I was, and as do, as does my daughter when we do things together as well. And so, Jack, you know, why do you think you have such a, a strong bond? And like, is this normal, you know, amongst your peer group? Is this normal? Or do you think you have a, just a really special bond as a family? And, and why do you think there's this really, you know, from an outsider, this is an incredible relationship you have to have these experiences? I think ultimately you have to have shared interests, don't you? So that sort of stems from my childhood. That was lots of embracing the outdoors and doing activities that were in the open and fresh air. So I guess that lays the foundation for when you're older that you would naturally both be interested in biking as a start point um, and spending you know, spending that time outdoors. We also were very fortunate to do some traveling as a family when when we grew up. We used to tended to go on our way as a family each year, which was um, a real privilege to do and see some different parts of the world. So in terms of uh, sort of making the most of your time, you know, being able to do that and having a love of the outdoors, those were sort of values that were passed down. So, um, yeah, when, you know, we've always been close and um, having those shared interests builds a, builds a platform to be able to do those things. It's super inspirational. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, just starting this trip, you'd, you know, you'd been bikepacking all the way down. 
when Ali joined you, when your mom joined you, you know, for you, was it tough? You know, were you slowing down or was it just, it's just a different type of journey and it was still just an enjoyable and it, you know, it's not about the distance necessarily each day. Uh, so there's, there's, there's slight um, points there when you're pulling in slightly different directions. We actually, for this trip, we actually started at exactly the same time. So we're both educators. We're both working at school, finished the summer holidays. I was working in Northampton. I actually finished my job. So I had to get down quickly back to Somerset to get ready so we could go on the ferry together. Um, we'd love to say, and I listened to a previous podcast actually when you interviewed the guy who was uh, traveling across Europe with uh, you know three years uh, ahead of him. Um, and not putting too much of a time frame on it, but there was this slight issue, which was that I did have to get to meet my friends at a certain date. And um, yeah, maybe I don't need to think about cycling every kilometer of that, but it was sort of part of my dream was like to actually get the whole way without resorting to going on a train or a bus after the last part. So every day we were going quite far, to be fair. We, we On several days, we nearly hit 100 kilometers. Um, Slight disclaimer is that my mum was riding a, an e-bike, <laughs> but it was more as a as a backup to, um, it was there just in case, wasn't it, mum? When I was invited to with Jack, I was very low in self-esteem and very, very anxious and I wasn't sleeping. And I was so worried that he'd invited me and I'd let him down. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, if I hadn't slept, how would I cycle? And I, I, I hadn't had an e-bike before. Um, but in the last sort of four weeks, I really, really wanted to do it with him. But I was so frightened that it wouldn't work out because I wasn't well enough. So I bought this bike and I'd only had it about a week before we set off on it. But I didn't feel that I needed to use it that much. I've, I've listened to a previous podcast, Richard, of yours, and I know that you quite approve of them, actually. So I can actually admit to it. <laughs> um, but just knowing that there was a safety net was fantastic and it's not a very heavy bike that I got so I was you know I had my panniers and it was it was fine and I actually it it didn't work on occasion as well um so I didn't tend to use it everyone would say that but it's true I didn't really use it that much I think the beauty of the e-bikes is it allows people to go together and there's lots of cases where you know uh, a wife is, you know, a triathlon athlete. The husband plays golf and, you know, has no biking skill. They've never been able to go on a bike tour together. And the e-bike allows, you know, allows people who are at different uh, levels to go together. In your case, it was just the safety net because you're right. If if you're doing 100 kilometers a day and you're not sleeping, I don't know. Actually, I don't know how you do the next day. <laughs> like, I think I, I, I think you'd be in a minibus or on the train because uh, 100, uh, you're doing a century and then another one with no sleep would be impossible. You, you talked a little bit about, you know, your mental health leading into this. And so I'm interested in terms of what did you notice as an impact as you were doing this ride and how, you know, was it an immediate impact or was it something that, uh, um, you know, helped a little bit each day? Well, I tried, um, you know, I, I believe in the power of uh, the outdoors. I believe in, I have, I've always had dogs. I'm always out walking dogs and, um, during lockdown and before I did the um, couch to 5k thing that we do in this country. I did it three different times just to try and see if I could shift my mental health with that. I actually never liked running, but I made myself do it because I just thought it might help. It just might help. But biking is different. And I do like biking. I really enjoy biking. And I think that the pace 
really did make a difference. And Jack and I were talking the other day when we got off the ferry at Saint-Malo, when we got on the ferry uh, at Poole in... Um, it was just so exciting to be on bikes with the cars all packed up driving onto the ferry and we were just going to do it with our legs it was just an amazing feeling and then when we got off the other side it was dusk and it was France and we were there and all of those concerns that I'd had all of that fear that I'd had about you know was I going to manage it I felt confident I was there I was doing it there was no turning back and I think that, yes, every single day, a little bit of my courage, a little bit of my self-esteem just sort of crept back in. You referenced a few different things, like part of it is, you know, being in nature. Part of it is doing an activity you really like. Um, there's the challenge of it. You know, you talked about being able to to keep up with Jack and and some of the places he had to get to. There's just being on a trip in general, like not having the day-to-day stress of all these little distractions we have. And then you have time together with, you know, someone who cares about you and you care about. Is there one part of that that you think is more powerful than others that you've isolated in other trips? Uh, or is it everything altogether that has has this impact? I, I think it is very much to do with the connection that you have with the child and to be with them. And it's a privilege to spend time with them as they get older. You know, that you've shaped them as, as, as young people and then they grow up and they go off and they, you know, he'd, he'd left 10 years before. Uh, he'd lived in New Zealand for a year. He'd lived in Peru for a year. Um, he'd been to university. He lived away. And it was, you know, it's, it's precious times you have when you, when you spend time with your adult children. And... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to invite, to be invited and to be able to do it. Um, and I was determined to do that. And I think that um, it paid off. Um, we had we had so many moments of, of pleasure, of joy, and we were tired as well. But but it was it was it was an inspirational setting for me. And things did shift. Yeah. How long what were you bike touring together in France for? Was it seven days? I yeah. think it was seven days of riding, I think. And um, as you said before, we decided to stay in um, little hostels and hotels down the way. I would ordinarily be bikepacking. I had my bivy ready to cycle with that so much and just get in a bag at the side of the road. But somehow that wasn't deemed appropriate for someone who was struggling <laughs> with their mental health issues and couldn't sleep. I wasn't going to do so, that. Um, <laughs> so we, um, we did book places all the way down and... Um, Part of the other thing really was in terms of sleep was obviously it's very difficult having a mental health issue and it can affect you in a number of ways, but there's a certain way that you feel after traveling all day, particularly using just the power of your legs when your body is just like, if you're not going to get closer to a sense of shutdown because your eyes have been stimulated all day, your body's been stimulated all day. I just kind of felt that that would lead to a better sleep pattern. So generally we slept quite well on the way down and then, um, it was on the last day that we were going to have together, we decided for quite the punishing pace, we need to slow down a little bit and enjoy a little bit more of France because we've been having, we've been having croissants all the way down, but we decided to have like an, an early lunch by the side of a lake and have, um, I think a gin and tonic and then some wine maybe afterwards. And um, <laughs> there was this moment which really symbolized it, which was that um, we'd stayed, we had stayed in a, a teepee actually the night before. I think one would slept for eight or nine hours and then 
we went and had this lunch the next afternoon and then she fell back asleep straight away, which is completely unheard of for about four years. Like it wouldn't be possible for her to fall asleep during the day, but it sort of spoke to a sense of, you know, reaching a moment where your brain is actually feeling like it can rest. It's, so this sounds incredible. And so I'm interested now. So you separate, you know, Ali, you go back to your regular life. Is, is there an effect where the benefits of this bike tour you know, it it kept you know kept paying out, paying off, or or did life go back to normal quite quickly? The morning we separated, I was really nervous again. I was really scared because what I had to do was, I had to go from where we were, about sixty kilometers to Bordeaux on my own. So I had to I had to cycle on my own now, having been terrified to be alone at any point for a long time. <laughs> and then I was in France, and he had to go, so he left, and I had to head back to Bordeaux, and then I. I went to visit friends that were who lived in France and I had to find the train station and I had to hoik my bike all the way down the stairs and lift it all the way back up the other way because I couldn't find the um, lift, um, all you know, with panniers and all. Um, but I made it and I got to my friends and uh, I realised that I had achieved something quite significant. I went back to England, yeah, and I started to feel just a little bit braver and a little bit more confident, a little bit more at ease with myself and I'm not saying that one week of cycling has changed everything but it was a very significant um, experience and I also when I was unwell I couldn't actually feel love at all I couldn't feel proper connection and that week helped me reconnect it really did something did shift and I I could feel how much Jack wanted me to do it with him how supportive he was how kind he was how thoughtful he was. And that started to come through the darkest place where I had been. It was a similar idea to the idea of doing Hadrian's Wall and doing that walk. You know, we're doing it for the same reasons to try and make something shift and um, break through. But it was quite memorable that at the end of that, that was about six, seven days as well of walking and we got to the end of it. Mum was kind of away for those years and not really, well, not her true self. So you couldn't quite connect with her in a way that I had in the past and she said at the end of that that she didn't feel any joy in finishing it so you know after you put in all this effort and all this walking and this amazing experience it's probably quite important to note that it's not just something you do and then it changes there must have been another a number of other factors but this trip was different for somehow achieving that shift uh, I think this is just you know hearing hearing you talk Ali about this um it, it's just it's just so powerful and and I wonder, does this change, you know, has your life changed from doing this in terms of, uh, like, if it was me, I'd, I'd be signing up for the next, you know, next uh, uh, bike tour I could find. Is, is that like, are you are you on your bike more often? Are you doing weekend bike tours? Are you doing other long trips? You know, seeing the impact of seven days, like, I think for almost anyone listening with this, this is incredible, you know the impact of, you know, spending some quality time doing a, a fun bike route with your son, it sounds incredible. So how has this influenced your life going forward? Yeah, I'm very, very fond of my bike now. And I and actually, I'm back on my non-e-bike at the moment, but I cycle to work. I, it's not very far, but I get on my bike and that's, you know, I'm happy to cycle to work. I cycle to friends. I live in a town in Somerset and generally I use my bike the whole time rather than drive. Um, and it's hilly. But it's, you know, they're quite short distances. I haven't done any, have I? I can't remember. Uh, have I done any 
bike packing since then. I, I'm, I'm, we're thinking about doing something next summer in um, Ireland. I mean, I would, I would definitely do more of it. Yeah, and I, and I am very fond of my bike, and I do like the way it makes you feel being on a bike with freedom. Having said that, I nearly got knocked off for the first time this week, and um, that was a bit of a shock. <laughs> Uh, I, I can imagine. Um, Jack, looking at your obvious love of, of bike packing, I read uh, your Substack, and I think you're 4,500 kilometers into a, uh, a journey down in the Andes. Uh, why do you think this impacted your mom so much, this, this seven-day journey? I think it has genuine restorative and healing powers. I mean, I don't think a doctor wouldn't prescribe you to go bike packing to solve your depression but um it's certainly some I, I i'm fully convinced of the fact that obviously physical health has a huge link to your mental health and that many people tend to live a life which their ability to get out in the outdoors or their priority isn't to get out in the outdoors when i'm i'm just i'm a history teacher by trade and just thinking about how nearly every human used to live they would have been you know, 100% outdoors originally, and we seem to have been steadily moving indoors. So there must be something to do with mental health crisis that is linked with um, people spending less and less time outdoors and less and less time using their bodies, because a lot of jobs don't actually require you to use your physical physical self as much. So I think those factors definitely play into it. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, grew, I spent my summers on the family farm and uh, just kind of loved the feeling of being tired after being in the dirt all day. And that's a way of life that, you know, it's fewer and fewer people have access to that. You know, in England, there's a, an abundance of nature. You can kind of get into nature. I'm in right near the Rocky Mountains. So we have that. But there's so many places that we've kind of lost that connection with the natural world. And when you take people, I've always said, if you can get someone into the back country for a couple of days and the weather isn't horrid, you're going to change their life. And I never, I never really thought change their life. Like, you know, this person who hadn't spoken for years, all of a sudden spoke or, or your mom's case, but it's just, it's a way of life that is so gratifying. And it just, like I've always said, it just feels right. And kind of what I'm hearing, you know, from you and you just keep doing, you know, incredible journeys, but it's, it's just such a pleasurable, it shouldn't be though. If you think of it, you know, these hard journeys, you're on a bike, you're sweaty, you're, you're staying in a tent, you're eating terrible food, you're almost getting run off the road at times. You describe everything about it and people say that doesn't sound fun, but I even find it, it's almost restorative, like a really hard backpacking trip in the Canadian Rockies. My body's tired, but my, my brain and my kind of my spirit is free. And I wonder, is, is that what you get on these epic, I don't know how many, how many weeks your trip in the Andes are going to be? But is that what you feel as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I get an amazing feeling from it. And it's a, a feeling that you get every day. I mean, I, I did ring my mum the other week and said at the moment, every every day feels like my birthday. Or like that the sort of excitement you have when around Christmas time as a child, um, which you don't really replicate as much as an adult. But for me, doing a trip like this was sort of accessing that. I think it comes from the reason I do the trips as well is I'm probably known as somebody who annoyingly has to have a reason for why they do these sorts of things. So I was very impacted by, there's a British company called the, the Racing Collective, and they have a route called the GB Duro, which is like a land's end to John O'Groats all the way across Great Britain route, like end, end to end. And um, they kind of published this idea that professional cycling and potentially travelers have, or modern Western travelers have lost their way a little bit in their in the sense of the impact that traveling can have on the environment. 
um i think one of the things they do is like the average western person has like written down 11 tons of co2 per year and if we actually wanted to equal it all out um, between people around the world it'd have to drop to about one ton of co2 emissions per year so they had um lachlan morton do their race he's probably like one of the most famous ultra cyclists around at the moment and he did their their inaugural race uh, and he won it and he's obviously smashed the record because it wasn't a record but um he they actually said he couldn't do it next year because they said that we only are going to allow entrance and people who don't fly to the start line just quite a huge thing to they're sort of taking that's really taking a genuine hit on your product and your service if you say you know we're not going to attract the best talent because it's more important to us that this is a fully sustainable thing um and i guess that's that's a huge part of why I started spending my money. I haven't been on a, I hadn't been on a flight for four years before this flight to, to South America, um, to try and account for that a little bit. And then just leading on to why I chose South America. I don't know if you've, have you ever seen the film, the motorcycle diary? Yeah. Yeah. I, I read the book. I saw the film. It's a, it's a beautiful film. <laughs> yeah. So that's the sort of, uh, basis for why I wanted to do this trip across South America. For those who don't know, it was Che Guevara when he was a 23-year-old. And when obviously when you talk about that name, he has quite uh, some bad connotations for the way in which he ran particular states and was involved in particular wars and conflict. But, you know, at 23 years of age, he was a young doctor growing up in Buenos Aires in the big city in Argentina. And he wanted to learn a lot about the people of his own country. Um, and so he just set up on his motorbike with his mate who was 29 and they tried to curve south through Argentina and then back up all the way through Chile and Peru and um, Ecuador and Colombia. And it's a fascinating book because you read about him, his conscience of his social conscience coming alive and him witnessing all this poverty and all this difficulty that a lot of people on that continent lived in. Um, so I'm just trying to copy that, <laughs> but do it on a bike um, and sort of become a minor revolutionary myself. <laughs> uh, what a great way to be a revolutionary to you know I, I, when you connect with different people i think one thing that at least with me is you just get a sense of empathy you understand how similar we all are and how uh, much struggling there are there is in the world for people that you know you see a little bit in you know what regular western society but when you go to other countries you see a lot more and you meet people and and you realize the difference between each other is is negligible but our lives are so very different mm -hmm. exactly Ali, I want to ask one last question. So for somebody who is maybe in a similar position to where you were, how would you suggest, you know, if someone listens listens to this and says, okay, I'm going to go book a, a bike tour for uh, next summer in France. Like what, what do you think the first step should be is, 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 is this something that they can just, you know, book a trip and go and do it? Or is this something they should work up to? Is this, is it's mostly about doing it with someone you love who loves you? You know, how, how can people action, you know, what you've learned and what you've experienced? I think what I did was I started to use, we've got uh, Sustrans is an organization in, in Britain, which is sustainable transport networks. And we have a whole network all across Britain. And I would get the bike and, and drive, drive to uh, trails and then just head off um, on my bike. Normally with, with friends, I have, I have a, a friend called Emma, who's an extraordinary inspiration and she's um, got me to do all kinds of um, physical things as well to try and support me when I was unwell um, and yeah I think if you want to take a big bike ride you do have to practice you have to put the miles in a bit beforehand um, 
when I did the 85 miles in a day, I, you don't have to do that much. I mean, if, you, if you're confident at 45, I think that you can carry on for the rest of the day. If you get to about 45 a day and you're, you're managing that all right, I think you can just carry on. But I mean, if you're bike packing, you don't need to go quite that far straight away. I'm not saying you have to do 85 a day. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to bike pack, you need to practice a bit. And best place in this country would probably be Sustrans trails that are off-road generally uh well that's excellent excellent advice and uh just another example of how adventure can change people's lives as i said at the start it's super inspirational just to see the uh, the love and the joy you you have as a, a mother and a son and and the impact you've made on each other's lives um and uh, uh yeah i'm just i can only hope that when my little guys are uh, done university they invite their dad on on bike trips or or cool trips around the world as well that's like that'd be such like my my number one goal in life would be what you guys achieve so uh congratulations on that thanks uh so thanks for coming and sharing this on the podcast if people want to follow along is there ways they can do it either jack or ali with with your journeys over to you jack i don't have any social media really. <laughs> i'm trying to do uh, share my story along the way and trying to make it into a, a book. I'm not sure if it will ever be published, but it'll be my ebook if it's nothing else, um, a digital copy. That'll be the minimum we can do. Um, but yeah, so I'm writing on the on Substack on the platform Substack, and uh, it's a newsletter twice a week called Ten Thousand Kilometers Ariba, um, and that's probably the best place to follow it along. Uh, I'll put a link for that. And as I said before we started. Uh, it's so nice to get an interesting email. Almost every email is work or or spam. And so I think it's like three or four minutes it took me to read the first one I got. And uh, it's like just a little a little nugget of joy in a workday. So I'd, I'm going to encourage everyone to um, uh, to sign up and listen and, and read on. Um, uh, with that, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.